Greetings and welcome to Polson Foursquare Church. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins and I'm happy that you've joined us today. This year of 2023, our focus is Together on Mission. In our teaching throughout this year, we will talk much about how we are all called to be a missional church and a missional people. Colossians 4, 2 through 6 are our theme verses that speak about being a people of prayer and of preparedness and how we are to go out and be witnesses to those around us in our everyday life. So today as we study God's word together, I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to you through these messages and pray that you'll be blessed by our podcast teachings and that you'll be edified and enriched in God's word. Thank you and may God bless you all. (laughs) or Romans 6. I want to welcome the one that came the furthest to church today. That's PETA. She's come uh, from Australia. She was an exchange student 17 years ago here uh, to Polson. And uh, wow, it's that's awesome to have you here again today. Um, Yes, Jill and I had uh, several exchange students uh, ourselves. And it was a joy having them. Um, I have yet to get one of them to come back here yet. You know, we're trying to, they keep talking about it, but, um, but it's good to see you. Welcome. In Charlotte, yes, yes. Um, today we are going to uh, be in Romans chapter 6. I called the sermon uh, Renewed by Grace, uh, but maybe we can call it uh, EGR, (laughs) Extra Grace Required. (laughs) I can change the name of the sermon, I like that. Uh, And I'm going to read through the first 11 verses today of this chapter. Last week we were talking about grace as well, but it's continuing on into this chapter. And it says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this, like his. And we know that our old self was crucified with him in this, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been free from sin, and now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Father God, we ask that as we have read your word, Lord, we may... Lord, take all of these things to heart. Lord, the amazing grace that you have given to us. Lord, that we would live in that grace, but also 
It is a call to be dead to those things of our former ways. Lord, that we would understand grace for what it is and not use it inappropriately, Lord. But God, that we would always be thankful and recognize by your grace that we are saved. And we thank you for it always, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, just having finished up with chapter 5, and if you were here last week, you could, or you can see on our, our uh, website or the Facebook page, whatever, to watch that message. Um, and really, this next portion of his letter, and of course, when, when Paul wrote this, there were no chapters. <laughs> there were no chapters, uh, you know, chapters 5, chapter 6. But it was just a continuation of a thought. And so he begins this portion of his letter, chapter 6, with a question. And having just said in chapter 5 that the law was given so that the trespass might what? So that it might increase. The law was given so that we would know what is sin, basically. So that we would know what is right from wrong. The, the Ten Commandments, you know, that's an example that we would know that these things are bad and, and not to do those things, right? Uh, but the trespass was given so that, the, it, you know, the law was given so that the trespass might increase. And where sin increased, it says grace abounded all the more. What I shared last week is that God's grace is always greater than our greatest sin. That's a powerful thing that we need to understand and know that you can never sin too far from God's grace. It's always there for us. He will forgive you. And even if you thought, you know, I am the worst of sinners, Paul thought he was the worst of sinners. He, obvi- he said that over and over. I am the worst. I, you know, I killed Christians. I persecuted the church. But by God's grace, I am what I am. Um, and an apostle. And what I shared last week about that is that he is always, his grace is always available to us. So as we acknowledge our sin, it's so that we may turn from it, <laughs> so that we may walk away and say, you know, that part of me is dead now. I don't continue to live in that anymore. And be then led and say, I am led to Jesus as my Savior and also as my Lord. He is my Master. I follow him, and I follow his word. Now Paul says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound, so that grace may, might increase? And this is, a, this is really a, a good question. It's a great question because there are still people that misinterpret or misuse the grace of God as a license to sin, if you will. If God gives grace to sinners, then why not just sin more to receive more grace? That sounds reasonable, doesn't it? You know, so let's just continue to sin. The more I sin, the more grace I get. <laughs> so yeah, let's just do that. That's what the pastor told me today. No. Uh, some people think that their job is to sin because they just can't help it. And then it's God's job to forgive, you know? It is, God is a forgiving God. We can know that. We can know that his grace is available to us. So 
you know, we'll just do our job and God will do his job. However, grace is not a freedom to continue to dive in to carnal living, sinful living. Rather, Paul is sternly warning them, and it's actually the way he's saying this is very emphatic in the original language. Absolutely not. No. No. He's saying, by no means, or don't even think about it. <laughs> don't think that way. That's not what we should be thinking about God's grace. That verb tense that Paul is using, um, shall we continue to sin, is in active uh, or present active tense. He makes it clear that he's describing the practice of this habitual sin. Um, and Paul is talking about the person who remains in this continual lifestyle of sinful living, uh, thinking that it is acceptable so that grace may abound. And he goes, no, that is not how you should be thinking. You should be changed and renewed, and, and God's grace changes you. Not that you have to change in order to receive God's grace, but once having received it, there is a change in you that... I don't ask people, I, we don't check sin at the door here at the church. You know, oh, no, no. You better, you better come back again next week. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we have open doors because we're all sinners. But I don't live there anymore. That's my place of reference, not my place of residence. You know, I don't live there anymore. Do we continue to sin? Yes. I mean, I hope we're acknowledging that but at the same time I acknowledge God I don't I don't want to continue to live in that habitual life that I used to live yes God's grace is greater than my greatest sin but that does not mean I continue to live there in it anymore grace is not a free ticket or card to pull out when you deliberately sin and it really comes down to a hard issue doesn't it Do I live in God's grace and be dead to sin? Or do I continue to willfully, you might say, play games with God's grace and just try to justify myself while remaining unchanged? Now the question still confronts us, is the plan of grace safe and can people uh, abuse grace? I've often said, you know, the, you know, there's been some people that, you know, I, I call it greasy grace, you know, just slide, you'll just slide right into heaven. <laughs> that, you know, I think we can be really careful. We have to be really careful about misusing grace in the wrong way. If God's salvation and approval are given on the basis of faith instead of works, won't we just say, I believe, and then live any way we please? Well, some do. From a purely natural or, or secular uh, viewpoint, grace can be considered dangerous. Um, this is why many people don't really teach or believe in grace, and instead they emphasize living by uh, the law. It's easier to, to teach on the law and all the requirements that you need to follow. Just do this, and then you'll, you'll stay on track. You'll be okay. And some, you know, we get caught in this, you know, doing the religious stuff so that you don't mess up. And it might be on your, 
your different church backgrounds that you've come from. Maybe you come from a more, you know, the emphasizing the law or, you know, heavy on the fear of God, hellfire and brimstone. And then maybe some of us are on the other spectrum where we're just like, you know, anything goes, you know, God loves me and he's full of grace. I think there's a, a good balance of both is probably appropriate, right? If we, need, if we had a little more fear of God, we probably wouldn't sin so much. <laughs> so we, we need that too, right? But we also need to know that I have a loving Father that loves me despite my sinful living, that I mess up. So they, you know, these people might believe that if you tell people that God saves and accept them apart from what they deserve, then they'll have no motive to be obedient. And in their opinion, you might simply, you simply can't keep people on the straight and narrow without some type of threat, <laughs> some type of uh, threat from God hanging over them. You need that. You know, that's that guilt, shame, and condemnation. You need that little bit of condo bondo. And so if they believe, they believe their position with, uh, if they believe their position with Jesus is settled because of what he did, then, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we wouldn't have any motivation to live a holy life. And I think that's, that's, that's a wrong teaching, the wrong beliefs system as well. Having fear of God, but also the balance of God's love and his grace is important for all of us. Well, chapter 6, as we read, is very profound. It's a very good passage. And Paul was just stating after this chapter 5 that where sin increased, grace increased all the more. That is true. And this is the reason to, you know, it says, is this then a reason to continue to living in sin? And he's saying, no. Absolutely not. Don't think that way. Paul was going on to unpack this and this uh, this new identity as a, as a believer walking in grace. This is your new identity in Christ. And he calls us to a new life. So our, my first point is our position is new identity in Christ. The first few verses is unpacking that. Where are those who have died to sin? We are those who have died to sin in verse 2. Our identity is not to live in that anymore and should be dead. Considered, you know, it's no longer active in my life. Dead usually means what? Dead. I mean, it's, it's dead. It, it doesn't... It's not active anymore. It's unresponsive. <laughs> you know, so sin was my former way of life, right? That's where, and, and I love the testimony, the power of the testimony. This is where I used to be. And so in, in Celebrate Recovery, for example, we talk about testimonies. This is where I used to live. And there's power in that. And so sin was my former way of life. And Paul emphasizes or establishes an important principle. When we are born again, when we have believed on Jesus for salvation, our relationship with sin is permanently severed. It's changed. John, actually, if you read 1 John and, 
and, say, and it says, you know, if we say we haven't sinned, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he goes on in that First uh, John, for example. He says, you know, you, sh- you can't sin. I'm like, oh, I can't sin? I mean, he's, he's saying it in such a way that as a, as a believer, that should be dead. That is a, a can't in my life. It is a place where it's no longer living in my life. And so that's how we need to consider that. We have to be dead to it. If we've died to sin, then we should no longer live in those things. And when someone dies, we bury them or we cremate them. You can't just keep someone's dead body in your house. Anybody have that going on? Uh, nor is it fitting for you to keep your dead self around either. Hey, let me introduce you to my dead self. <laughs> it's like, that should be, that's just weird. But that's how we can misuse the grace of God. You died to that old person. Now you are born again. You have a new identity in Christ. You are a new creature in Christ. New life. Elsewhere, in agreement with this, Paul writes in other letters as well. In Ephesians chapter 2, he says in verse 1, he says, You were dead in trespasses and sin in which you once walked. That's how you used to be, okay? We're given the uh, reference to our past. Following the course of this world, following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that is now work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And by grace you have been saved and raised And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. Yeah. So that the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Powerful words there. He's he's in agreement with what he's writing to the Romans as well. Along these same lines, he also wrote to the church in Galatia. In Galatians chapter 2, a couple verses there. In verse 19, for through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if the righteous, if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for what? No purpose. It would be useless. Why did he even die? If through the law, then I'm made righteous. You're not. None of us are made righteous because of following the religious rules of the law. And Jesus knew that. God knew that. Romans chapter 6, verse 3, Paul is pointing them to the meaning of their baptism. The idea behind the Greek word here, 
um, for baptized is to immerse or to overwhelm something. Uh, like the like a sunken ship. The water is in the ship and the ship is in the water. <laughs> you, it's immersed. <laughs> it's completely under the water. That's baptism. That's immersion. And so a person is baptized in water when they are covered over with the water, immersed. Likewise, when believers are baptized with the Holy Spirit, they are immersed or covered over by the Holy Spirit in a very similar way. So baptism beautifully pictures this truth. We are immersed or we are also identified with Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We are buried with him and then we are raised to new life in Christ. That is my new identity. I am a new creature in Christ. I am born again. I am a new person. That is dead. Those things are gone. My identity in Christ. And, and really, that is important for all of us to know our new identity in Jesus. I don't just go around. I might share my former life. I might share my baggage. But I don't live there that's just to, you know, to help maybe someone else to share my story as you share your story with someone to help them that God can do it for you too as he did it for me. Secondly, that's my, um, as my prov our provision is that new life in verses 4 through 10 that we read. If you've ever been water baptized, you know, or you've never been water baptized rather, um, I'm thinking maybe even on that night that we have the worship night down at Betcher Park, we might have a water baptism for anyone that would like to do that, that night right at Betcher Park. Uh, if that doesn't work for you that evening, then come see me. We'll figure it out. Water baptism is important. It's an, a step of obedience. And when we put our faith in Jesus and make that commitment to follow him, it's really not a suggestion. <laughs> it's not a suggestion whether you get baptized. It's actually more of a command. Repent and be baptized. That's, that's in the Bible. <laughs> Repent and be baptized. Um, and so because of, for the remission of our sin, it's also that declaration of our faith. Because faith is not meant to be just kept a secret. It's meant to be publicly shared. I am a follower of Jesus this is my, I'm showing publicly that I'm being uh, buried and resurrected in new life in Christ. What you've already done on the inside, you're doing it publicly. So, yes, I would like to do that if you have never been baptized. Our old self was crucified with him so that we should no longer be slaves to sin, it says in verse 5. The, the death of the old man or the old self is an established fact. And it happens spiritually when we are identified with Jesus. The, our, the death of our former life with the old man, the old person at our salvation. This old man is the self that is patterned after Adam. And we talked last week about uh, Adam being the, the, first, the first Adam. Obviously, he was born without sin, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And then um, Jesus became, or Adam was a type of the one who was to come. 
And so then the second Adam, or Jesus as described scripturally, uh, became the one that actually did. He was not born into sin, but was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, and then he went to the cross and took a, a criminal's or sinful person's death. He became sin for us so that we could become what? The righteousness of God. He became sin. He became that sacrificial lamb where sin was atoned for or paid for on the cross for us. And so this old man is patterned after Adam, which is the sinful part of us ingrained in rebellion against God and his commands. And the system of the law is actually good. The law is not bad. The system of the law is actually good. Um, but it was ever, never able to deal or to put away the old man because it can only tell the old man what is right and wrong or God's righteous standard. This is God's righteous standard so that we know by the law, I know what sin is. However, the system of grace understands that the old man can never be reformed. He must be put to death. And for the believer, the old man dies with Jesus on the cross. What he did for me, even while I was yet a sinner, he died for me. He paid for it on the cross. And the crucifixion of the old man is something that God did for us. None of us nailed the old man to the cross. In that sense, Jesus did it for me. He did it for me in my place. And in that place of the old man, God gives the believer a new man or one who is no longer a slave and free to walk in obedience in God's grace. So Paul also talked about putting off the old self and putting on the new self in Ephesians chapter 4. He said this in verse 22, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through his deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So again, he's just emphasizing that has to be put off, that dead person. And you know what it says? If anyone would come after me, he must what? Deny himself and take up your cross and follow me. Yeah. Yes, that is the recognition of what we do is that denying self, nailing it again. It is nailed already. I'm just appropriating that. I'm just recognizing it. I'm just saying again today, I'm waking up today again going, Lord, I'm recognizing this important thing in my life. There's not a day I don't need it, a day I don't recognize it, I need it every day. In Colossians chapter 3, also in verses 1 through 10, this uh, uh, portion of that says, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, no longer on the things of earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly to you, and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of its creator. So all those scriptures I'm reading today, what is it telling you? Our provision is this new life. 
It is a new life that this is God's gift to me. And I don't ever want to take that grace and that gift that he's given to me for granted. I don't want to take it lightly. But, I, you know, this is freedom that was paid for. That is why, you know, I, I so respect. And I, maybe it was, I was taught that way because I was a, um, a Navy brat. You know, I was, I was raised uh, in a military family, you know, not to ever take freedom for granted because, you know, there's lives that have died for our nation. And and I always respect that. I've been taught that. It's been ingrained in me. But even more so, the grace of God, what he's done to accomplish my freedom, is even more so by his blood has paid for my eternity, my salvation, more than just American patriotism, That is, I love that, but at the same time, it's the freedom that we have in Jesus for eternity. It's even more so. So if the old man is death, why do we still feel the pull at sin at times? It comes from our fleshly, or what I sometimes call my soulish desires. What is your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? That's your soul. And sometimes people mistake or misunderstand the difference between soul and spirit, um, which is dis, uh, distinct from the old man's. But it's hard to describe the flesh, but it's, the flesh is really my soulish desires, what my mind, my will, and my emotions desire. And my impulses, my passion, my Our soul is those things. And so therefore, when we come to Christ, or before coming to Christ, that's all we have. Uh, uh, Actually, a person without Christ, that's all they can live. You know, we're all made up of a body, a physical body, a soul, and a spirit. But before Christ, we don't really live by the spirit. We just live by our soulish desires. Whatever our mind, our will, our emotions desires, that's how we live. You know, that's what I want. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue doing that because that's what I like. Right? That's how we live our lives. That's our fleshly desires. That's just what we do. But being born again now, God's spirit comes into us, makes us alive. We are born again. We are made new with our, in our spirit where we were once dead in our trespasses, our sinful ways, and living according to our fleshly or soulish desires, we now live. And in Galatians 5, he actually, Paul is emphasizing, no longer, don't live according to your sinful or your fleshly nature anymore, which leads to all kinds of you know, sinful ways. But in Galatians 5, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your fleshly nature, Walk in the Spirit, and then guess what? His fruit will start to show up in your life. And then you'll start having this fruit just kind of popping, uh, starting and, and uh, growing in your life, and people will see that. Those are characteristics of God. The characteristic of God, you can't just make yourself have that. That's actually what God does in you. He starts to change you from within. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify those desires. Instead, walk in the Spirit, and His fruit will start to develop in your life. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, this is a very familiar passage for a lot of us. In verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come, and all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ Jesus was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And so sometimes this scripture can also be misinterpreted. We are new creations in our spirit. Not our soul. I don't know if you knew that. But upon salvation, our spirit is made completely new. Where he is, his, the Holy Spirit comes and is uh, literally living within us. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes us alive. Our spirit is made completely new. Our spirit was once dead, but now we are alive. And our spirit is made completely regenerate upon the moment we say yes to Jesus. The moment we invite him in. Receive his grace. His spirit is living inside us. Our soul, however, is never regenerate. And that's maybe a big, uh, that's a whole other, probably a teaching on that. But, but it is being made new. It is being healed. And that is why some Christians still live carnal lives. We still have hurts. We still have habits and we still have hangups in our soulish ways because they have baggage from those former ways. But as we walk in the spirit, rather than our fleshly or our soulish ways, we are being healed, delivered, renewed in our mind. But as Christians, we can still live like any other non-believer. And that's why Paul said, not to live according to the flesh anymore. Don't live by just whatever your mind, your will, or your emotions desires. That's what the world does. That's all they have. That's why sinners do non-Christian things. That's why non-Christians are still non-Christians. That's why when I watch the news, I'm going, you know what? It, it, it's, it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch why the world does what it does. But if they don't have Christ, that is also because God's spirit doesn't live inside them. That's their natural thinking. That is their natural ways apart from Christ. God's spirit is not living within them. Now, on a believer or those who claim to be believers and continue to live that way, I'm going, shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? No, you should not be living that way. Absolutely not, like Paul was saying. Do not live according to that fleshly ways anymore, but be renewed in the, in the attitude of your mind and also learn how to keep in step or walk in the Holy Spirit, it says in Galatians. And lastly, our practice. Our practice, what Paul is talking about, is that we are now instruments for righteousness. We are new 
instruments for his righteousness. The old is gone and the new has come. And now we are free to free people. <coughs> Excuse me. That with the new covenant ministry, uh, he talks about in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we now are given the ministry and the message of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ now. Yeah, it's not just for preachers like me. It's actually for all of us. We have a, uh, a call by God to serve and to reach our, the world for Jesus. You may have heard that hurt people hurt people or rejected people reject people. And that is often true because a lot of times because of, of that hurts, the, the thing that we filter things through. A lot of times I, I would say, you know, if you're, you're looking to, you know, to be rejected, you will. If that's your filter, if you just go, come into a crowd and, you know, you've been battling with that rejection, that hurt for so long, and, and, and I know, I, I know how that feels. You come into a room and no one looked at me. No one did anything. You're like... And if you're looking for rejection, you'll always find it. If you're looking to be hurt, you know, you, you'll, you, that's how you'll filter everything through. But freed people also free people. When I've been freed by Christ, when I can have a new lens, a new filter. Dr. Dan usually gets on me about changing the filter for the furnace in here. So you guys aren't breathing old dust and probably, what is dust anyway? It's usually dead skin, dead flesh. And I, 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 we don't need to do that. We don't need to breathe each other's dead skin cells. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those were dead. Those are former things of us. <laughs> we don't need that. So, but if you have new freedom, a new filter, Amen. We can see things through a different lens, through God has freed me now. And he has me too, you know, coming from uh, God healing me of some of those rejection issues in my life. It's like, you know, I could tell testimonies about that. It's just like I'm thankful that I can come in and go, you know what, maybe no one will talk to me. But do I just look for that hurt or do I actually, um, if I want friends, I need to be a friend. If I want to help people, sometimes I just need to be that one to instigate it. Because I'm always, and often we're looking for the other one to make the first move. When at the same time, I'm like, who's going to make the first move at times? Maybe we're just all a bunch of hurting people. And then we forget about actually seeing how one another is. So let this be a lesson to all of us. God, help me change my filter. Recognize my new position in you and that new place of new life in you. I don't have to live in this anymore. I want to walk in your spirit. I want to be a, a minister of righteousness, an instrument of righteousness here. Every believer has a testimony, and there's power in that testimony. And Paul emphasizes the profound change 
we have experienced. We were dead to sin. We are no longer enslaved to it. We are free. And the death he died, he died to sin what? Once and for all. It's a done deal. Count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. In verses 10 through 11, that's what he said there. And so he connects us to Jesus and his death and his resurrection. And he says, in the same way, like Jesus here, we have died to sin and we are alive to God. Now, Jesus didn't sin, but he took my sin. <laughs> so he's not the sinner, I'm the sinner. But to be dead to sin is to be unresponsive to its allure. It's sucking me into it. It's desires, but to be alive to God is to be responsive to God and, and his call in my life. And that is how we are to consider ourselves. This is my new life. This is my new freedom. And Paul calls us to live in that. And then preach that. Preach that good news. Tell it to people. Now in the remaining verses of our text in Romans 6, Paul is saying, therefore, do not let sin Reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument to wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death into life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Should our Christian life and our, our new life in Christ be evident to people? I hope so. I hope it's evident that there's change. Now, Paul uses two images. First, sin no longer reigns over us. It no longer has mastery in your life. Instead, Jesus is my master. He is my Lord now. We are no longer a slave to that, but we are servants now of the Lord. We are... Um, you're a slave to whatever has mastery over you. Now, a lot of us are slaves to debt. <laughs> we're, we're slaves to that. But whatever has mastery over you, what is ruling and reigning in your life? We have a new master. Secondly, we and each part of us are no longer instruments or tools or weapons of wickedness. Instead, we offer ourselves in every part of us as instruments or tools or weapons of righteousness. I love that image. I am a tool or a weapon of righteousness in God's hands. Right? My life is offered to him to be used for his good purposes rather than just my own small or selfish and sinful desires. Just as you used to offer yourself as slaves to some of my impure ways or my ever-increasing wickedness, <laughs> so now I offer myself as a slave to righteousness, leading then to hopefully holiness People would see a difference in me. Now think of how you used to offer yourself to sin, then offer yourself now to God. Before Jesus, I looked for ways to sin, or I just lived in it. I didn't even know any different. 
I plotted ways to sin. I, you know, you might say I stayed up late giving myself to sin. <laughs> now my life is his, and I want to give him the same or the greater devotion to doing what honors him, what pleases him. I want to be an instrument in your hands, Lord, to be used for your righteousness, for your purposes. I want to plot ways to serve you and stay up late giving myself to you. All of this points to a radical change in us because of Jesus. And his death and resurrection has resulted in ours as well. A new life in which we are dead to sin but alive to God and we are tools of righteousness in God's hands. Today I'm offering myself to God afresh to live that new life he has for me. And I also want to call you, my fellow believers, to do the same to, up to this new life in Jesus, that we are an example. We're dead to sin but alive to God, tools in God's hand. Let's pray. God, we thank you. What a gift that you have given to us the gift of your amazing grace. And Lord, I do, I humble myself under the mighty hand of God that you may lift me up in due time. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That is what we do, Lord. We recognize this, what you have done, your righteousness paid for me by being nailed to the cross, by taking my sin, so that then I might be declared the righteousness of God. A new life of freedom and purpose. I offer my life. I offer every part of me to you again today. If there's someone here today that needs to make that fresh recommitment to you, then we would do that. If people watching online this morning, if you've never done this and said yes to Jesus, this is the moment. He calls us to himself to humble ourselves says, you oppose the proud, but you give grace to those that are humble. And I thank you, Lord, that we would come under, your, under you and that you would lift us up. Help me to live in this truth, Lord, to consider myself now dead to sin, but alive to you. And I offer myself as a tool or an instrument in your hands, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, Billy here. I'm the media director here at Polson Foursquare, and I'm glad that you guys could join us this morning. If you guys are looking for more information, you guys can go to polsonfoursquare.org. And if you guys enjoyed the sermon, consider subscribing or sharing it with a friend. Thanks for joining us this morning, and we hope that you have a blessed week.